Welcome to the Author's Way podcast, a journey to finding your voice. I believe that our stories are powerful, our experience have helped to teach us important lessons, and our stories help us to use those lessons to teach others. Stay tuned to hear some great stories and learn how you can use your own stories to raise your professional profile, promote your brand, and become a published author. Hi there. Welcome to the Author's Way podcast. My name is Jennifer Wright. I am your podcast host, and I am here today with Phil Johnson. Phil is a business coach. He's a he's an executive coach. His company is called Master of Business Leadership. He's been doing this for more than 20 years, and he focuses on emotional intelligence. And we're going to talk today a little bit about emotional intelligence and Phil is also a very prolific author, so we'll talk a little bit about you know some of the works he's done. He's he's authored books, articles, newsletters. He's a podcast host, so we'll we'll cover all of that today, and we'll talk a little bit about emotional intelligence and how it can be used for authors to help them uh, become better authors. So. We'll get jump into that in just a minute. But first, I wanted to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by ExecuWrite. We are a book publisher and book partner. We Our superpower is turning business leaders into published authors. So if you have great information that you're ready to share with the world, if you have stories that you're ready to tell, would love to talk to you, would love to hear your stories and see what we can do to help you. So head over to the website, execurite.com. That's E-X-E-C-U-W-R-I-G-H-T.com. And check it out. Check out our programs and submit a request to schedule a strategy session. Can't wait to hear from you. All right, so let's get into the conversation. So welcome, Phil. Oh, thanks, uh, Jennifer. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I'm very much, very excited to have you. We had a great conversation last week, and I, you know, I think we talked quite a bit, and it was it was a really eye-opening conversation for me. You had a lot of a lot of great insights, so I'm really Really happy to have you here and share some of your great insights with this audience. Great. Thank yeah. you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit more about your business, about about your your mission. Sure. I've been an executive coach um, helping executives and organizations all over the world to get better results by uh, by betting on themselves through the development of their emotional intelligence, both as individuals and uh, and as organizations. I think it's a critical part of our education or our development that, quite frankly, we didn't get. And uh, because of the accelerating rate of global change, we need now more than ever. So that's what I've been doing for the last uh, 21 years. And I've actually been on the journey for the last 54 years, and I'm, I'm, I'm 68. So I've developed a program called the Master of Business Leadership to uh, to help do that. Awesome. So, if I do the math right, you've been you've been doing this since you were in your teens. Fourteen. So, what drew you to the idea of emotional intelligence at, at 
such a young age and you don't think of, of teenagers, you know, quite being, um, you know, finding that kind of, of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, back in those days, there was, there was no such thing as the emotional intelligence or what I refer to as the emotional labor that's required for us to, to develop our emotional intelligence. But I had the, uh, I had the good fortune of being born with dyslexia. And uh, I say that I view it as good fortune now, but back in those days, there was no such thing as dyslexia or ADD or ADHD. But because my brain doesn't work the way most people's brains work, it forced me out of my comfort zone. It forced me to do a lot of what I now refer to as emotional labor. That gave me insights into myself and others that helped me in in what I do now as an executive coach. I can tell you pretty confidently that if I hadn't been born with dyslexia, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Mm. Because um, although the development of emotional intelligence produces incredible, remarkable results, and we need it now more than ever, it's harder than hell to develop. We have significant both biological and sociological resistance to change. So without an urgent desire for better results, or in my case, dyslexia, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. It's like a blind person that develops great hearing as a compensation for being blind. I had to rely on my is now referred to as emotional intelligence, development of my emotional intelligence, because my ability to do intellectual labor wasn't as wasn't as great as most people. It takes me 10 times as long to read a book as it does my wife. And I have difficulty spelling and reading. It can cause me to uh, flip around words in my mind. And uh, sometimes it shows up in, in hearing as well. I don't I don't hear as well as uh, I would like. But anyways, um, yeah, emotional intelligence is, is a very challenging um, type of intelligence to develop, but the it has a massive multiplier effect on our results for those for those individuals and organizations that are willing to do the the emotional labor that the development of emotional intelligence requires. And I'll actually a little later if you want or anytime I'll. I'll tell you about a uh, a corporation that's currently doing over $1 trillion a year in revenue, and their primary hiring focus is in the search for, for people with above average levels of emotional intelligence. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes, I would love to hear that story. Before we, before we dive into that story, though, can you share with the listener, when you talk about emotional t- intelligence, mm-hmm. what does that really mean for you? It's the ability to feel the fear and anxiety that change and innovation always triggers in us when we leave our comfort zone and be able to move through that anxiety towards what it is we're trying to achieve, our desired result, as opposed to allowing that anxiety to keep us stuck in our comfort zone. So it's the work of moving through the fear and anxiety in order to achieve better results that actually, it does three things. 
It develops our emotional intelligence. It enables us to become more conscious, more aware of what's going on in us and around us. And it helps us to become more inspirational leaders. Do you see see it as learned behavior or something that's more natural or is it both? It's learned. And it's very different than emotional intelligence is very different than intellectual intelligence. Um, and I'll give you I'll give you an example. Think of our ability to do intellectual labor or our intellectual intelligence as inherited. If you have a high IQ, your parents had a high IQ, and their parents had a high IQ, and you inherited those genes. But anybody can develop their emotional intelligence. And the the effect is far greater than our ability to do intellectual intelligence. Here's an example. Think of think of intellectual intelligence as somebody giving you ten thousand dollars a day for thirty one days, and think of emotional intelligence as a penny that doubles in value every day for thirty one days. So with, with intellectual intelligence, at the end of thirty one days, you've got three hundred ten thousand dollars. And at the end of 31 days with uh, emotional intelligence, excuse me, you've got $10.7 million. And at the end of 40 days, it's over 5 trillion, sorry, over 5 billion. And at the end of 50, it's over 5 trillion. So the, the effect on our results, the effect on our leadership and emotional intelligence and awareness by developing our, our emotional intelligence is far greater than our ability to do intellectual labor. It's far greater than our than our intellectual intelligence. And actually, they're meant to work together. So the development of emotional intelligence multiplies the effectiveness uh, that we're getting based on primarily on our ability to do intellectual labor. And really, our educational system has failed us. And our employment system has failed us. They failed to prepare us for the accelerating rate of global change we're facing. Some scientists estimate that in this century, we're going to experience roughly the equivalent of 20,000 years worth of change or Mm -hmm. 200 centuries worth of change. So change is increasing at an exponential rate. And we have a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. So... The biological and sociological resistance we have to change is going to create increasing levels of drama, chaos, and conflict in us. And we really need the development of our emotional intelligence to be able, in order for us to be able to feel that fear and anxiety and move through it, as opposed to allowing it to control us. Let me explain. As a part of our old lizard brain, called the amygdala, that whenever it sees us moving outside of our comfort zone, it secretes a hormone into our bloodstream called cortisol. And that causes the executive center of our brain, our prefrontal cortex, to shut off. And we go into what psychologists refer to as an amygdala hijack. We go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Some people lash out. Some people run away. Some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. And they often say and do things they later regret. But at at the time, they're they're in the midst of this hijack. So if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, as an analogy, 
the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that change creates in us and move through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve as opposed to allowing that anxiety to stop us, to keep us trapped in our comfort zones. Does that make sense? It does, and it's fascinating. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking about um, how that affects society. You know, it affects the- society. What I've just described to you, in part, is the root cause of all drama, chaos, and conflict, right. war everywhere in the world. So the solution is something I haven't mentioned that has to do with energy physics, but the solution to the reduction or elimination of drama, chaos, and conflict is the development of our emotional intelligence. And that's what I've been doing with executives and organizations all over the world for the last 21 years. And I can tell you it's no different anywhere in the world. When you feel in yourself your walls going up, when you feel yourself becoming more resistive, judgmental, or attached to outcome, when you feel that anger, that fear, that's the cortisol in your bloodstream causing you to go into an amygdala hijack. And we lack the emotional intelligence to stop that from occurring. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, we're all in kind of like a low grade amygdala hijack so that when somebody cuts us off in traffic, you know, road rage, mm-hmm. or there's all sorts of instances where people just get taken over by their anger, by their fear, and they react, you know, typically a fight, flight, or freeze mode. And when right. that happens in conflict situations, people die. And when it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die. We burn trust. But the root cause for all of that is the same thing. It's the fear and anxiety that gets triggered when we leave our comfort zone. And the development of our emotional intelligence is the solution to being able to deal with that fear and anxiety that our that our ego produces. It doesn't eliminate it doesn't eliminate emotional intelligence does not eliminate fear and anxiety, but it allows us to coexist with it and move through it so that it doesn't control our actions. Right. Right. So when we look at, you know, some of the things that are happening and it being a learned behavior, it so it seems like one of the things that we can do to help some of the things that we see happening every day across, you know, countries across across the world actually if we could if we could just help you know get to a point where we can teach more people these behaviors and how to and how to recognize that we we could really start to bring down some of some of that drama and trauma it's called emotional contagion so if our walls are up if we're if we're giving away our energy if we're creating that drama, chaos, and conflict that often triggers others to do the same thing called emotional contagion. The opposite is also true, that if we stop 
giving away our energy, if we stop lowering our walls, if we stop feeding into the drama, chaos, and conflict, that will inspire others to stop feeding into the drama, chaos, and conflict. Mm -hmm. So what I've been doing actually is helping individuals and organizations to develop that ability so they can be a positive influence on the people around them. Not only not only for themselves, but everybody benefits. So it's a, I'm trying to think of the term force multiplier, mm-hmm. right? So the more you do it, the more it the more it spreads. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's a that's a great insight. Um, so, do you want to tell us about the company you were talking about? Oh yeah. So the company that's routinely doing over a trillion dollars a year in revenue. Uh, whose primary hiring focus is on emotional intelligence, that company is Apple. Mm. That's why when you walk walk into an Apple store, that energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're trying to understand your pain and, if possible, offer a solution. Whether you buy anything or not is secondary to their desire to want to help you, to want to serve you. They want you to have a great experience, and maybe you'll tell your friends and they'll tell their friends. If you, if you, if you reflect on that, and I'm sure all of your listeners have, have been in an Apple store, that energy they feel is a very different energy than the energy of the stores surrounding it. Right. And that's an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. So the development of more and more companies are hiring, promoting, and developing emotional intelligence within their organizations. Apple, Google, Southwest Mm -hmm. Airlines, JetBlue, Infosys, Whole Foods, FedEx, Costco, and others. Emotional intelligence, the development of emotional intelligence, because of the accelerating rate of global change, represents the future of organizational development and will become a multi-trillion dollar industry. It's a fundamental part of our development that we never got and we need now more than ever. Agreeing. So a lot of the listeners are what I call creators. They're authors, they're they're writers, they're they're a lot in the creative space. So how does emotional intelligence impact creativity? Great question. Thanks for asking it. The process of developing emotional intelligence requires us to lower our walls. And that helps us to be more that helps us to become more conscious of what's going on in us and around us. It also releases our creativity, our genius, our divinity. So the same thing that develops emotional intelligence and inspirational leadership and greater awareness, that that same emotional labor also unleashes our creativity, our connectedness with ourself and others. We're able to see much clearer. See, we're only actually conscious about three to five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, we're relying on our on our habits to determine our behavior and our results. 
But developing our emotional intelligence increases our awareness, increases our consciousness about what's going on in us and around us. Whatever results we're, we're obtaining is merely a reflection of our current level of consciousness. We cannot obtain better results without increasing our level of consciousness. And so the emotional labor to develop emotional intelligence also increases creativity. I love that. You know, one of the things that I I sincerely believe about about books, books that we love, the books that we that we want to read, a lot of it has to do with the connection and being able making the connection with the author, making the connection with the characters. Uh, making the connection with the with the information that's being shared, and it sounds like. And tell me if I'm if I'm misinterpreting this. It sounds like emotional inte- intelligence is a big part of making that connection. Imagine this. Yes. So the answer. Yes. Imagine. So when we read a book that an author has written, that book that he or she has written is part of their passion, and right. it's part of who they are, and they've put that down into words that we as readers read. But imagine if we had the emotional intelligence to not only read the words, but feel the feelings that the author felt when he or she wrote the book. And that's the, that's the greater awareness. That's an example of the greater awareness that emotional intelligence creates. So it's kind of like think of if we're if we lack emotional intelligence, reading a book is like a two-dimensional activity. But with the development of emotional intelligence, reading the book can become more of a three-dimensional activity. That's a great way to look at it. So you're adding your emotions, and as much as I I hate to get emotional. If I if I'm reading a book that makes me emotional, that's the one that I really absolutely I'm really tied to. Yeah. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be telling everyone about it. Yeah. When yeah. you're able to connect emotionally with with somebody, mm-hmm. that's how you build trust. That's how you connect with your passion. And that's actually what you're sharing. You're sharing your passion your trust with the author within your network of people that trust you. Right. Yeah. See, we, we make our decisions at an, at an emotional level first. Right. And then we look for features and benefits to justify intellectually the decisions we've already made emotionally. So developing our emotional intelligence increases our trustability with others. Right, right, right. So, so what are some things that, you know, if, if we really do want to get more in tune with our emotional intelligence and develop it, what are some, what are some things that you recommend uh, we can do? Take the MBL program. <laughs> it's, um, it's yep. interesting. It's inter- and I'm not, promoting the MBL program, but I'm just saying that it's uh, we need a structured process that has proven to work to guide us through 
the resistance we have to change and the development of our emotional intelligence. Can somebody develop their emotional intelligence on their own? Absolutely. But it can take decades, mm-hmm. and most people don't. So it's really helpful to have a guide to take you through the process of developing your emotional intelligence because it's, it's, it's an experiential process. It's not an intellectual process, meaning that you can only connect the dots in hindsight after you've taken the leap of faith to start going down that road, start the journey. And it's, it's interesting. I often ask people, executives and organizations I'm coaching, and they're going through the process and they're, they're amazed at how their, the lights are coming on and they're becoming more conscious and getting better results. And I, and I say, and they're saying, yeah, this is amazing. And I said, yeah, yes, it is. I, it is. But let me ask you something. Is there anything I could have said to you in the beginning before you started this process, before you started this journey that could have prepared you for what you know now? And everyone always says, no, there's, there are no words. There's nothing you could have said to me that, have, that could have helped me to understand what I understand now. And see, that's the difference between knowing something intellectually and knowing something emotionally. Mm-hmm. Intellectual knowing and emotional knowing are two different things. Emotional knowing, emotional intelligence is an experiential process. But unless you know something both intellectually and emotionally, you don't really know it. You just think you do. Is there anything, anything that we should be looking for? like within ourselves or within other people to help us kind of understand maybe where we are. And of of course we all need, you know, personal development is something we all need. There's, and it's something we need throughout our lives, but is there, is there anything that we can, you know, as individuals kind of be looking for to say, Oh, you know, there's some, there's some areas, there there's certain areas that I want to, I want to think about or focus on or, um, yeah, I guess the, uh, the degree to which you're allowing your fear to stop you from achieving the results you want to achieve, mm-hmm. the level of toxicity in the relationships in your life, these are all reflections of low levels of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. The desire for better results, but the unwillingness to take the action required to get those results. And as you develop your emotional intelligence, it's easier for you to see it in other people, or it's easier to see the lack of it in other people. See, when our walls are up, when we're, when we're being ruled by our fear, by our ego-based fear, we become blind. We become blind to being able to see ourselves or who we truly are. We become blind to our creativity, and we, we become blind to being able to see other people for who they are. So we're kind right. of like Neanderthals bumping into each other without really seeing. And developing our emotional intelligence enables us to see better than we've ever seen before. How? So we talked earlier, you um, really started studying this topic when you were young, 14. How have you seen, what changes have you seen in your life, either when you were younger or you know, later on through your career, 
how have how have you used emotional intelligence to to develop yourself or what changes have you seen by by kind of knowing these principles and knowing and and knowing how this works and and knowing how to to develop you know your own emotional intelligence would you uh, like me to take three or four minutes and and uh read you my journey to getting to where I am today I'd love that I think I think that'd be uh, fascinating I think this will be very uh, helpful for the for the listeners as well. So let me just uh, pull this up. I wrote this, by the way. That's only two pages, but I uh, it's a it's a it's a distillation of hundreds of pages, and uh, over about a thirty five forty year period. So here goes. I entitled this "Why I Created the Master of Business Leadership Program." My name is Phil Johnson. And I am the founder of the Master of Business Leadership Program. I was born in Brantford, Ontario, Canada on December 1st, 1953. Our family lived in a small two-bedroom post-World War II bungalow where my mom and dad raised three boys. I was the youngest and quite a surprise as my mother was in her early 40s when I was born. Three boys in one small bedroom and a coal-burning furnace with no air conditioning. My parents were born in 1909 and 1910 and went as far as grade eight in school. My dad was a factory worker who never made more than $5 per hour. During World War II, he served as a sergeant in a mortar artillery platoon in North Africa. His men used to call him the old man because he was 29 years old when he enlisted. As a younger man, he had boxed and played semi-pro baseball. My dad made his own beer and I helped by putting the caps in the bottles. My mother was a factory seamstress who left her job to take care of our family. I was born six weeks prematurely and weighed approximately four pounds. My first six months were spent in an incubator at the local Bradford General Hospital. My dad brought milk to me each day on his bicycle because he didn't own a car. I have dyslexia. It's a neurological disorder that I was born with. I notice it most when I'm trying to spell, read, and occasionally hear. It could cause me to rearrange words and numbers in my mind. I didn't realize I had the condition until about 35 years ago. Back in those days, there was no such thing as dyslexia, ADD, or ADHD. I failed grade three and I failed grade five and was labeled a slow learner. And I used to pray the teacher would never ask me a question, and I rarely made eye contact. Many times, the back of my shirt would be soaked with sweat by the time class was over. Getting a C was a great mark for me. A's and B's were out of the question. Some of my earliest childhood memories were that our neighborhood had dirt roads. Asphalt roads, TVs, and private phone lines came several years later. We also had a milkman, bread man, egg man, and potato man that made their deliveries in horse-drawn trucks. I started working when I was nine years old, pulling copper wire out of the back of factory dumpsters and selling it for five cents a pound. That was my allowance. By the time I was 12, I had a part-time job working in a produce factory loading boxcars. I also worked as a caddy at a local golf course. I had money and life was good. A few years later, my mother developed breast cancer. She underwent radiation and chemotherapy, which led to a radical mastectomy. On December 3, 1967, she died. It was two days after my 14th birthday. I was in grade seven at the time. One month later, I made a decision that was to change the trajectory of my life. 
It was a snowy January night around midnight, and I was taking my dog Duke for a walk. He was a blue tick hound my parents had given me as a puppy when I was five years old. Standing behind a local factory, I decided to go for it. I was going to see what was on the other side of the hill and come back and help my friends that had already given up on life. That decision began a 54-year journey that continues today. I became an A student throughout the rest of grade school and high school. My dad died in May of 1974 as I was completing grade 13. Four years later, I graduated in the top of my class from the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I also played football and basketball. I paid for my education through summer and part-time jobs during the year. Later, I spent five years studying electrical engineering while beginning what turned out to be a 20-year career in the semiconductor industry. By the time my career in that industry had ended, I'd become a corporate executive. I was traveling over 60,000 miles per year throughout North America and the Pacific Rim. In 1990, I remember talking with one of my older brothers and commenting, is this all there is? I had accomplished more than I or for that matter anyone else ever thought I would. In the process, I had become mindlessly focused on the drive to acquire and achieve conventional wealth and success. But obtaining the brass ring in my career wasn't as fulfilling as I had dreamt it would be. Along the way, I had forgotten the promise I'd made to myself on that snowy January night in 1968. I eventually decided to leave corporate America, breaking away from the herd in order to lead it in a better direction. A short time later, I turned down two vice presidential roles so that I could begin the creation of what has become the Master of Business Leadership program. For the past 21 years, I have been an executive coach, helping executives and organizations to bet on themselves by developing their emotional intelligence. MBL program alumni are currently living in the United States, Canada, UK, Europe, Japan, Germany, Bosnia, Africa, Australia, the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia. Career revenue, $1.5 billion. So there you go. That's, uh, does that answer your question? It does. I, it does. Thank you for sharing that. It's a fascinating story. So, so you went the corporate route. You, you, know, you had a very successful corporate career, but then discovered that you really wanted to take this path and, and pursue helping, helping <sighs> I was people shocked. too. Both my, you know, my dad worked in a factory. I, I thought the higher you went up the food chain, the better the quality of leadership you would find. Mm. And I was shocked that that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. And it really caused me to question and remember and develop what I referred to as the Master of Business Leadership Program as a solution to the challenges we're facing. The current level of employee engagement worldwide according to Gallup, is around 13%. Low levels of employee engagement are costing the U.S. economy over a trillion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. We're working in very toxic environments where people Agreed. don't feel safe to take risk. And Gallup has also determined that there's almost a one-to-one correlation between the level of employee engagement and the level of customer engagement, so that if your employees yeah. don't feel safe, neither do your customers. So the lack of emotional intelligence and as a consequence, people using position-based power to control and manipulate others 
is a huge problem and it's a huge mistake. And it's something we need to correct by helping people develop their emotional intelligence. I couldn't agree with you more. I spent about 25 years in um, a corporate, in, in various corporate environments. And I, I, I've seen a lot yeah. of what of what you're you're talking you about. See, and it's amazing because I thought the same thing. I thought the higher you go up, you know, there, you know, those leaders got there because you know they have those leadership skills, and and it's amazing the the ones you run across that that don't. So here's the here's the thing: if we're not willing to change ourselves, if we're not willing to develop our emotional intelligence, and as I've said, it's it's extremely challenging. The only other alternative we have is to try and use position-based power to control and manipulate others to get them to change. If we're right. not willing to change, we try to change everybody else. Right. And unfortunately, that's the way we've been operating for a very, very long time. And it has to stop because it just hasn't worked, doesn't work, will never work. And so the solution is really... The development of our emotional intelligence creates higher levels of consciousness and inspirational leadership. And I love the fact, um, what you were sharing earlier, the number of companies that are starting to recognize that. And hopefully it will just continue to spread. It has, it has to. to. It has to. Yeah. We're actually, I believe, I believe we're at a tipping point as a species on the planet. Mm-hmm. As I said, we're facing a tsunami of change with a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. And without the development of our emotional intelligence, I think that will lead to increases in drama, chaos, and conflict that will make it extremely difficult for us to survive as a species this century. Quite frankly, there isn't a single other species on the planet that wouldn't be better off if humanity didn't exist. Mm. We're the virus on the planet. We're killing the we're killing the climate. Um, we killed ourselves. We killed more people in the 20th century than all of recorded human history, and wow. that trend continues in this century. So we really need to change our trajectory, and that must include the development of our emotional intelligence. We really we really yeah. don't have a choice. Right. Well, Phil, thank you so much. Um, this this has been a fascinating conversation. I've enjoyed it. I, I could talk about this stuff for hours, but I know your time is valuable. So um, I appreciate you sharing some time and some, some great insights with us. Before we go, though, um, anything that you have going on um, or coming up that you'd like to share with the listeners? No. I'll uh, no, this, I'm just continue to do what I do. Okay. I, will, I will provide any kind of links. Um, and if somebody wants to reach out and have a uh, meet with me via Zoom to have a conversation regarding emotional intelligence, I'd be happy to. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a link to my calendar. Okay. Yeah, we'll put all that information in the show notes. So if anyone wants to wants to get in touch with Phil, you'll have that information out there. Um, and then one last question I like to ask to um, 
all of my guests. Are there any books um, that you have particularly been drawn to that have been that have been inspirational to you? I see you've got a couple there behind you, but yes, um, I would. I I love Eckhart Tolle ah. and his book A New Earth. It's a great book that probably you could read five or six times and get a ton out of it every time you read it. And really what I do in the MBL program is I help to create what he talks about in his book. Mm, So I would highly recommend his book, A New Earth. Okay. All right. You know, I've, I have I've had that recommended to me more than once. I have not read it yet, so I need to I need to pick it up and, and put it on my list. Yeah, just think of it like you're eating cheesecake. Take it in small doses because every page is full of incredible wisdom uh, and and experience. Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate this. I know I know the readers will will enjoy this as well uh, and enjoy the rest of your weekend, the rest of your week. And this to our audience, this, thank you very much for listening. And this has been the author's way. Thank you for listening to the author's way podcast. I'd love to hear from you about any future topics you'd like me to cover or other authors you would like to hear from. Head over to my Facebook page, The Author's Way, like that page, and join a community of writers, authors, and fans. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thanks again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next time.